Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their life journey has taken them since their glory days at NYU. My name is Marika, and I will be tonight's co-host, a senior from Bailey, Colorado, studying musical theater. And I'm Tom Ellett, your other co-host, and serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Welcome, Marika. How is life in Weinstein going so far? It's been a lot of fun. The team has been lovely and the students are vivacious and actually very independent so far this year, which has been kind of fun to experience and rewarding in a, in a way that they they already kind of have some things figured out for themselves. But Weinstein is definitely one of the more public dorms because it has the Chick-fil-A in it and it has the Open Resource Center and it's it's been fun. I'm in charge of doing the whiteboard behind the desk, so that's always it's always a, a fun time to kind of figure out what to put up there and, and get people in and whatnot. It's a real destination, and I always look at the whiteboard, so I'm looking forward to taking a peek when I now that I know that you're the creator behind it. Talk a little bit about your ascendancy into the theater world. How did you get the bug? So it was very late. It was a, a late decision. I was homeschooled my whole life, and I'm coming from a large family, and we were very music-heavy growing up. All of us played one or more instruments. And because I wasn't in public school, I didn't have drama experience. I didn't have that outlet that I kind of either found through school or was encouraged by various teachers to do. So it wasn't until my voice teacher kind of later maybe when I was like 15 or 16, asked me to audition for a community theater that she music directs that I did anything musical related, but I've danced my whole life and it kind of seemed like the perfect thing of combining a lot of aspects that I'd love to do separately. So I thought, why not give it a shot? And I liked it, so here we are. Is there anything in the RA role that you feel like you would get some practice for Um, Translating musical theater into the RA or vice versa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of putting yourself in a different state sometimes. You know, as, as an actor, you have to kind of create your connections between yourself and your character, or, or if you're not having a good day, it doesn't matter. You have to kind of figure out what tools you have to put yourself in a mindset that is conducive to your work as an actor in your scene or in your show. So sometimes after a long day when you've been in studio all day or classes, you kind of have to use those same skills when you come back and say there's a, a resident who needs to talk to you or there's something happening with the team or um, maybe there's an impromptu fire alarm pull in the building and you kind of have to put it all together again and put yourself in a state that is that is helpful to the role. And I would say that's one of the skills. Definitely people skills is a big one. Like what an actor does is work with a community and, and build community and that's what the RA does as well. It, absolutely true. Well, we have a great guest tonight. Who is our guest? Today our guest is Ryan Redmond, who served as RAs in Third North for RHD Chris Stipic and RHAD Stacy Ulrich during the 09-10 academic year. Welcome, Ryan, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. How are you and where are you? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm very well. I'm currently having my morning coffee, which is hysterical because it's 12-ish currently <laughs> in my midtown New York apartment. 
Ryan, it's really a pleasure having you on the show. Before we speak about your outstanding acting career to date, we'd like to hear a little bit about your time at NYU. And we're going to start off with, you know, what did you study while you were here at NYU? I studied musical theater at Tisch. I was at the Cap 21 studio, which is no longer at NYU, but has since been created as the new studio on Broadway. But yeah, I was studying musical theater at Cap 21. And were you, while you were studying, involved in any clubs or extracurricular activities, or was it kind of just, there was a lot going on with, I know studios nowadays kind of pile on the work, so sometimes <laughs> it's a little hard to find time for that extra stuff. Yeah, well, actually, I I just sort of wanted to dive into anything I could get my hands on at NYU. So I was an admissions ambassador. I gave tours to prospective students, which I absolutely loved. And I did the reality show every summer, which was a sketch musical comedy show that we wrote every summer to put up and perform for all of the incoming freshman class and commuter classes. And... I did that every summer and we wrote a completely new show and got to perform it at Madison Square Garden and the Beacon Theater and Radio City Music Hall. And then I became an RA my junior year. So I had a lot on my plate. (laughs) You did. You did. And I still remember that laugh in the reality show. I really do. It it was one of those quintessential moments. My claim to fame. Well, I don't think it's your claim to fame, but it was a wonderful. No, absolutely. And that scene is still played in the reality show for some years. Mm -hmm. I still see you you know, starting it and it was it was beautiful (laughs) tell us a little bit about your desire to be an RA while you had your plate full yeah well I hung out a lot with my friends at Carlisle is that still a residence hall it is okay yeah I hung out a lot with them there and because I lived in U-Haul so it was just right across Union Square Um, but my best friends lived in Carlisle and they had an RA John Fredrickson I'm not sure if you remember him but yeah I just absolutely adored him and he made it look so fun and I just thought I really wanted to be a part of something like that and it also didn't hurt that you know I paid my way through in through NYU myself so it didn't hurt being an RA you know Mm -hmm. I got some housing paid for so Mm -hmm. it was just a perfect I felt like transition from being an admissions ambassador, I felt like I gained a lot of really great NYU insight from that. And then I felt like the appropriate next step was to become an RA. Do you feel like as a drama student at NYU, kind of the interplay between being an RA and being a drama student, if there was any crossover or if there was any sort of skills from one area that were extremely applicable or made the other area feel a lot more growthful? Totally. I mean, I think just being a performer in general provides people with a lot of just actual human skills that mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes people, other people don't have. That, that was anything from just being personable to, to being approachable to being strong with problem solving and, you know, sort of just acting on your feet for lack of a better term, and just kind of going with the flow. So I think that really helped me when it came to being an RA and definitely just allowed me to thrive in that way. Third North is a particularly uh, lively residence hall Mm -hmm. with a large staff. Talk a little bit about what it was like to be on a team with peers, all with very different discipline and directions in terms of academics. Yeah, I I absolutely loved it. You're right. It was such a big group. And that was the start of my junior year. And I 
like I said, I was an admissions ambassador, so I, I had some interactions with students in other facets and other studying other things at NYU. But I will say my time at Third North really opened my eyes to creating lots of amazing relationships with people outside of my drama program, which was something that I hadn't really gotten until I became an RA at Third North. And it was thrilling to see how their NYU experiences were completely different from mine. And it is such a large school. So it was wonderful to be able to learn from them and just be able to connect with a stern business student and just see how that formed their skills as an RA and, you know, sort of take from that. And Chris and Stacy were the absolute best bosses I could have ever asked for. They they truly were shining examples of practicing what you preach. And they made sure that each and every student had the best experience they could possibly have at Third North and as well as the RAs. And they really led by example. And I've always been so grateful for that because they really just sort of guided us through the entire process while being the kindest and most fun people to work for. Absolutely. We're glad that Chris just got promoted, as a matter of fact. And Stacey, he did? Yes, he did. He's now the director of Res Life. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love it. And, and Stacy, I still really con- in contact with. She's a, yeah, she's she's a live wire. Right? Yes, yeah, she is. She is. Yeah, she is. that's yeah. what I thought. Have you always been involved in drama throughout your schooling experience? Or, like, I know for myself, it was something that was a lot later. I kind of discovered it at the end of high school type situation but for other people it starts very very young like two or or younger and I'm kind of curious as to when when it hit for you yeah I'm probably in the middle of that so I moved around a lot as a child and I went to a new middle school in the eighth grade and for some reason I was just extremely fearless as a (laughs) you know 12 or 13 year old I don't know how or why but I was like I'm gonna try out for the musical and they were doing Annie and I was a very competitive softball player, which is why this was kind of out of the ordinary. I didn't really ever do theater before that. Like I might have done some elementary school production, but I didn't sing. I didn't, you know, I didn't do any of that. But they were doing Annie and I, I auditioned and tried to copy Andrea McArdle on the original album of Annie. And I thought I was going to nail it. And then I, the castles came out and I got the role of Mr. Bundles, the laundry man. Mm. <laughs> so uh, but he had three lines and it's funny now it's foreshadowing I'm currently playing a traditionally male role mm-hmm. but who knew in the eighth grade I was I started with Mr. Bundles um, but then I went to high school and I had an amazing musical theater director who just really cultivated my talent and kind of pointed me out was like everybody look at Ryan everyone watch Ryan watch what she's doing like do that so I someone I had that someone that believed in me and I was like oh I'm making people laugh this is something that I want to do forever so and then I had a wonderful teacher named Kate Guyton who was teaching at a foundation that I now go back and teach with all the time it's very close to me the Broadway Dreams Foundation but she was teaching in Atlanta and she was also a teacher at Cap 21 so I I really connected with her and I sort of just wanted to emulate her Um, and I got my mindset on well I want to go to NYU because she teaches there and I want to be near her and I'd never been to New York in my life I'd never toured NYU I just like my eighth grade self kind of had this fearless go get them mentality and I made it happen. 
it's fantastic to hear your roots. T talk yeah. through the whole idea of graduation from NYU and what it's like to prepare to be a full-time uh, working uh, actor. Well, surprise twist, I did not graduate from NYU. You didn't. I'm still on the loose. We got to get you to finish at some point. Although I know. Yeah, trust yeah, yeah, me, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I left after my junior year because I had to go make my Broadway debut. That's right. Yeah, which was a decision that was difficult, but I was I was studying to do that, and so I felt like I had gotten most of my training at CAP that I needed, and um, I really have, like, I think probably a year's worth of general education requirements, mm -hmm. but I was studying to do this, and I got the opportunity of a lifetime, and I sort of have been going ever since. So I, I was kind of lucky in the sense that, well, maybe lucky is the wrong word, but I, I see so many, or I saw so many of my peers and now colleagues and students who are now coming up through various musical theater programs having to go through a showcase process and this sort of just go through this daunting last year of college being thrust into a business that is full of unknowns and full of lots of ups and downs. So I kind of was in the right place at the right time and because I was performing at a benefit and the casting director for Bring It On, which was my debut, was there and he just was like, hey, come in and audition for this new musical that Lin-Manuel is writing. So again, right place at the right time. It was beneficial for me because I was in New York and I kind of just got extremely, extremely lucky, but I got to skip that last that last step, which I've heard is can be a kind of a scary moment, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's approaching that moment myself, I right. <laughs> am feeling it kind of looming in. Yeah, um, well, I'm glad I could offer some <laughs> words of you know? <laughs> excitement. No, yeah. I, I, I do not envy you, I'm sorry to say, but I will say that you're so lucky that you are in New York. It's an advantage that a lot of people who move to the city after their four years of college don't have. Absolutely. And so you have a leg up. So just trust that you are exactly enough and you're doing what you need to do and everything will fall into place where it needs to. Easy for me to say on the on the outside <laughs> of it, but I didn't mean to scare you away. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard all of the, all of the anecdotes and the, the stories, so you're probably prepared. <laughs> yeah, everyone has had a different uh, a different outcome from yeah. from being in Cap twenty one or NSB as it is now mm -hmm. known. So no there's no one right path to get to where you're going. Correct. But how has the difference between performing at NYU, performing in off-Broadway productions and tours and, and Broadway productions kind of over the past few years been for you? Well, like I said before, doing the reality show, we were performing at Madison Square Garden and Radio City, and these are, you know, six and 7,000 seat theaters. Mm. So I had the best prep anyone could ever have going into touring houses and Broadway shows I just kind of I got to dip my toes into that early on and you know there's nothing like being on a Broadway stage in New York however being able to tour the country is also a completely different 
excitement and just getting to experience audiences and they all have their own vibes and they all have different feels and you can feel that from the stage. New York is a sort of more refined audience experience, but when you when you go out into the the country, you just it's really cool to see how different regions experience theater and that's something that's really exciting as a performer to witness. Yeah. I wonder if you could talk us through the Bring It On experience through the stages of the creation of that performance. Sure. Like I said, I was singing at a benefit concert for a foundation I work with, Broadway Dreams Foundation, and Bernie Telsey, who is the head of Telsey Casting, which is a large casting office here in New York. They cast pretty much a bajillion Broadway shows, TV and film. They do it all. And he was at this concert, and I was singing a Queen song, Somebody to Love. And he saw me there, and the next day I got a call to come in and read for the role of Bridget, who is a character in this new musical written by truly the A-team of Broadway. It was Jeff Whitty who wrote Avenue Q. Tom Kitt was co-writing the music with Lin-Manuel. Tom Kitt wrote Next to Normal. He's doing Jagged Little Pill right now. And Lin-Manuel, we all know, is, mm-hmm. you know, the Bring It On was a show before Hamilton. Um, <laughs> And Amanda Green, who wrote Hands on a Hard Body, um, the list just went on. And Andy Blankenbuehler was directing and choreographing, who is the choreographer, choreographer, sorry, of Hamilton. And this was his first director choreographer credit. So it truly was just, like I said, the absolute A team. And I think at that time I was a little young and naive, and in my little NYU bubble, I didn't really know all who all these people were, which was probably good, because if I had known going into that room the accolades that were sitting behind that table I think I might have sabotaged myself um but Lin-Manuel always tells the story that they they had seen a lot of people and I and I walked in and they were like that's her that's Bridget that's she's right there so it was just a perfect meeting of the minds of myself and this character Bridget and this was the beginning of my junior year and on our holiday break was when they did the very first reading of Bring It On, which is essentially a week-long developmental process where the writers gather a bunch of actors and they truly hear the script and songs out loud for the first time. You know, up until that moment, it's just really been in their heads and, you know, them sitting at their piano trying to write this stuff out. But they finally gather a group of actors to put it all together and hear it out loud. And even from that moment, it was sort of fast-tracked because it was such a great team. I think the producers behind it knew that it was going to be something pretty big and something widely loved. And from that moment, I went back to NYU to finish my junior year. And that fall was when they were going to be making their world premiere in Atlanta, which is where I'm from. So that was pretty surreal too. My first professional job was going back to Atlanta where I'm from and getting to perform at the Alliance Theater in a role that I got to originate. So that was extremely surreal for me. And then after that, a few months later, they we embarked on a nine month national tour. It was 13 cities. So we got to hit all the cool places, got to go to LA and San Francisco and Dallas and Houston and Chicago, St. Louis all the good ones, the big markets. And then we ended in Toronto and Canada. And that's when a few weeks before we, we ended actually was when we found out our producers flew up and said, Hey, guess what? You guys are going to Broadway. 
And yeah, it was crazy. And we were a young cast. So we, I think the number was made 32 Broadway debuts, which was a record set for, for the amount of Broadway debuts. And I just, I get chills thinking about it. It's just so cool that the producers, you know, it's such a fickle business and they easily could have said, Hey, we need some names in this show, but they stayed true to the show that we had. And they, they let us all make our Broadway debut. And you look back now and it's, it's really heavy hitters now in the Broadway community. Adrian Warren, who's about to be Tina Turner, Taylor Lauderman, who uh, just finished her run as Regina George and Mean Girls, Jason Gautier, Ellie Nakamore, Greg Haynes and Hamilton, Ariana DeBose just was Donna Summer. Now she's in the West Side Story movie. So they knew and they, they let us cultivate our young talent. And it's pretty cool to look back on that and know that they made that decision and let us thrive and, you know, create that musical that was so loved by so many. Yes, it was. Ryan, it's been great talking to you so far and learning about your experiences as an actor and post-NYU. And we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to jump right on into your current role. Um, we'll be right back. Okay. Sorry to interrupt this amazing podcast. My name's Ron Rapitalo, and I was an RA at Weinstein Hall from 1996 to 1997. Wanted to let you all know that I am a life and career coach. So if you're interested in my services, check me out at Ron Rapatalo, R-A-P-A-T-A-L-O.com. I offer free 15-minute consultations if you sign up via my website. So if you're looking to explore what you want to do next in your career, or if you're stuck in your life, give me a shout out. Peace out, always. Welcome back, Ryan. Let's jump back into it. Okay. Let's talk about today. And, Let's uh, talk. You are in a wonderful show. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about the role that you're playing in Frozen. I am currently the first female Olaf in Frozen on Broadway. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, it's so cool. I get to bring this beloved snowman to life eight times a week in Frozen the Musical pretty crazy Mm -hmm. yeah and it is such a specific i mean frozen as a musical incorporates a lot of puppetry and it's kind of what has been your experience translating your other skills in an actor you know using your body to manipulate the puppet on stage and did you have any training prior to jumping into the role or was it kind of like you got the role and then they trained you on the job for that yeah, I, I never had any puppetry experience before, so that was something that was quite crazy to be thrust into. I had about four weeks to train with the puppet before I stepped onto the Broadway stage eight times a week. So it was a lot of rigorous, fast-track training and lots of physical therapy and lots of if we were on video, I could, you know, hit t- tap in the top of your head and rubbing your stomach, you know, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of brain work that I w- couldn't have fully prepared myself for just because I had no idea. And yeah, it was interesting learning that the puppet has to blink like a real person. Otherwise he looks just dazed. 
I, I move his eyebrows and I make him blink. I make him talk. And I also, that's all with my right hand. And then my left hand has a sort of grip mechanism that moves his arms and makes them bend and open. And then my feet are connected to his feet. So it's a, it's a whole, a whole apparatus we got there. And uh, yeah, it sort of was just a lot of trial and error and a lot of trying things and failing and then getting back up and trying again. And I've, I'm still say I've, I've been doing the role for about seven months now and I find new things every day to do with the puppet. And it was, that was only going to be something that came with time. And Lorenzo Pizzoni, who's our puppet master and fight coordinator, he told me that going in and our resident director also, they, they were all so supportive of me just learning as I go, and they knew it wasn't going to be a perfect, um, you know, product from day one. And, yeah, I've sort of just gotten to cultivate my version of Olaf over the last few months, and that's been really exciting. Was it hard thinking about an iconic role that has been on the screen and people have their perceptions of before they show up to see you? compared to some of the other roles that you created that weren't necessarily on the big screen previously? Yeah, I think that idea sort of left my brain as soon as I knew that, or as soon as rather I thought about how I'm a female playing a role that's played by a man. So that just kind of freed me from any ties that could have bound me, uh, so to say. So I I, I am a female, so there's no way that I could I could do I could copy really anything that the boys have done. So the Disney team was so wonderful in the fact that they let me find my own version of this character and and they let me infuse myself into it and there was never any sort of whip, you know, being placed upon me to do it a certain way. It was always very collaborative. And they always allowed me to, like I said, just really find my own way with the puppet and with the character. That's, uh, I, you know, as as it goes, that's one of the best things you can act for, ask for as an actor. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, it's yeah, especially important. going into a Disney show. I had all of these preconceived notions that you know, it's a well-oiled machine by now and I went into the show a year into its run and uh, I was fully expecting to be told okay you go here on this line and you do this on this line and you lift your arms on this line and you stay within that box but that is absolutely the opposite experience that I had which was very welcomed and unexpected and truly made my experience awesome yeah which is wonderful because you know that's part of the reason why we want to stay in it and work with the people that we work with in the end of the the end of the day. Yeah. Did you be knowing that this was a role that was originally written for a male actor? How has the process been in terms of also knowing that maybe you've played uh, more female heavy characters in terms of your history though? You said you started with playing um uh, a male role back in middle school how has your is there been any change to your vocal regimen or your process before the performance or are you kind of approaching the role as this is a n- 
neutral character or Olaf is now a female snowman or is there kind of this idea in your head that you're playing a role that is set and your version of it if that made sense yeah yeah totally Olaf is still a boy so I sort of just look at it as I'm just giving my voice to him and because he's technically somewhere around the age of 10 uh, is what I've always been told. Hmm. So he's a young boy, and I like to think of it as, um, you know, think about how many of our favorite cartoon characters are men that are voiced by women, you know, Bart Simpson, Woody Woodpecker. And so I just think I'm giving my voice to him. So he's still a boy, but I don't really stress too much about making him sound like a boy. Hmm. I not, He's a cartoon character, so I... I sort of cultivated his voice just to be it's it's just a little bit heightened and he's pretty much excited about everything he's a little sarcastic and everything he's seeing is new to him so that is how I was able to just infuse the whimsy of him and you know really not worry too much about making him sound masculine because he is a young boy that makes sense absolutely yeah you work a really rigid schedule um, in terms of what you do. How do you take care of yourself? How do you rejuvenate from the daily grind of eight shows a week, which with the physicality that you do, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It's Especially in this role, it's more physically demanding than anything I've ever done. So I get physical therapy twice a week. I get massages. I have to make sure I sleep enough. I drink a ton of water. Mm-hmm. I have to just make sure my vocal health is in check. And that just means, you know, not going to bars every night and screaming mm-hmm. to my friends. But, you know, I don't have to be a nun, but just knowing when to listen to my body and knowing when I need to rest. And I actually, three weeks ago, just took a vacation for the first time and forever lol that's a frozen reference um (laughs) but truly for the first time in forever then i went to mexico for a week to tulum and it was amazing so just things like that knowing when it's time to take a break and fully reset and get back to the grind of new york city and doing an extremely rigorous show yeah, well, uh, that's this one of the careers where you just kind of don't get to have a, a rest in the same way because you right. are expected to produce the same product every night no matter exactly. what. So good for you for taking a, a vacation because <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to do that. You're like, no, I've got to be out there. Um, right. Do you have any acting superstitions you believe in or you know little quirks that you do? pre post show um traditions that kind of thing i definitely still believe in saying macbeth in a theater is terrible luck Mm. (laughs) that's pretty much the only superstition i i believe in but i have a few little traditions i i have with various actors in the show before i go on stage like and crew guys like i gotta have to fist bump tim and keith i have to you know various things like that i have to to high five the girl who plays our young Anna. She's eight. Mm-hmm. So just little traditions like that. Right. I do need to go back one one step. You just mentioned you're working with uh, young uh, young children in the cast, mm-hmm. but you've also worked with, and then you were in the show where so many of you started with your Broadway career, but you also were in If Then, which I had a chance to see with yeah. some really esteemed 
performers who've been on Broadway for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is that like to be uh, on stage working with people who have lots of credits on Broadway to those whose first time it is to be on Broadway? Yeah, well, working in If Then was truly just a master class every day I was at work. Dina Menzel, Anthony Rapp, LaShawns, Jen Colella, these were all people that I grew up listening to in my Georgia home. And then fast forward, I got to be on stage with them. So I was just constantly trying to take in as much information as possible and see how they worked and watch their process and um, just sort of take a step back and and listen and and just take in as much as I could from them. Whereas working with the younger ones, it's truly miraculous to see how these little girls, because we have two young Annas and we have two young Elsas, so they switch off every night. Um, So they only do four shows a week each because I can't imagine being nine years old and carrying a show on Broadway eight times a week. But it's truly miraculous how they're just fully able to step out on a stage in front of 1,700 people at the age of nine and 12 and have sort of a, I don't want to say a lack of, it's just, it's a fearlessness. Maybe like I was talking about with myself in the eighth grade, but I don't know if I could have stepped foot on this kind of stage in the eighth grade, but it's just a fearlessness and a whimsy that, it's nice to lock into that as a performer who's my illustrious eight-year career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's wonderful to have that reminder that we once started as, as that wide-eyed, bushy-tailed young performer and to see them grow and to see them, you know, find their voices as young actors is something that's it's cool to see and, and to watch. Yeah, they're definitely going to go through a different process than, say, somebody who starts that post-college or whatnot. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fun to work with them and kind of in the same vein, but back to the NYU side of things. Do you still stay in contact with any of your fellow RAs? And if so, how and who? And, you know, how has that been post grad but not actually graduating um, with (laughs) with the rest of them maybe (laughs) time for shout outs right um john marsh who i was a ra with at third north he was a year above me i'm pretty sure he's come to every single one of my shows or if not all like most of them he's just the sweetest he i keep in touch with him i keep in touch with john fredrickson who i talked about before yeah and chris and stacy for sure they've come see my shows as well so yeah a lot of social media keep up and you know that's 2019 just sort of keeping track of everybody through facebook and instagram but yeah excellent i hear the bell for speed round so we're going to jump in we'll go oh my gosh ryan your favorite dining hall oh kimmel 100 percent. broadway show you saw as a student uh we saw the mtv taping of legally blonde the musical any celebrity sightings while an NYU student? Lots of Sarah Jessica Parker, who I love. Ooh. Favorite NYU teacher? Amy Francis. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience? Just being able to assist in making students more comfortable. New York can be a very daunting city to live in and move to, but I think the residence halls are, you know, that little oasis in all of the chaos. So I loved being a part of that. 
Well, Ryan, thank you so much for taking time to spend with Tom and me to discuss your journey and life after NYU and where it's taken you. As always, thank you to our visitors, I mean, our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the dream school alumni version life. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. You are so talented, and I really appreciate you sharing part of your journey with us today. Um, You're a special person, and we thank you for taking the time to talk about it with us tonight. Thank you for having me. Special thanks to my engineer, Colin McRae, executive director, Duncan Lemieux, and executive producer, Shahara Ranasang, and to the current professional staff and the alum staff, Will McGrath, Chris Stippick, C.J. Barnes, Stephen King, Kat Monaco, Siobhan Martin, and Shamila Prasad, who have assisted these great RAs in skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the newly unveiled NYU RA alumni website at www.where-ra-now.webflow.io backslash, which lists RA favorite books, picks of all-time favorite RAs, alumni accomplishments, and ways to be mentored. Until next time, go out there and write your book. 